Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We welcome you back on a Friday, the 12th of January. Big weekend coming up. Super wild card weekend on Patrick Maher, Amal Shaw. We're going to bring in our buddy Stewart here in a second. But let me just say a couple things. One, it's become official. Uh, Kalen DeBoer is going to be following Nick Saban at Alabama. Now, we do know this, Amal Shaw. The commanders, they grabbed the assistant GM from San Francisco. So the Harris group there with the commanders have a new general manager. There's a report floating on social media. I have no clue if it's true or not, but as the report is, the commanders could hire Cliff Kingsbury to be the next head coach. If that's true, that organization needs to stop drinking. That would be a very bad decision. Imagine the contrast of DeBoer getting hired at Alabama, and then you as a pro franchise go out and grab Kingsbury. That would be a disaster. Yeah, I, I don't think Adam Peters, uh, the guy who came in from the Niners, is going to hire Cliff Kingsbury. I have no idea who's floating that, but I'll tell you right now, I'm willing to take any wager on that one, Patrick. There's no chance. Yeah, maybe, you know what, let's just probably Kingsbury's agent paying a reporter to say it that's verified so his name's in the cycle. That's All exactly right. I mean, I'd hire Stuart Durst to host, to, to coach the commanders. Stuart, we bring him in monotone football. Stuart, I'd hire you to coach the commanders. And, and I think you do a better job than Cliff Kingsbury. First off, thank you. It's your first time on the show. We appreciate you. We're going to make it simple. We've got six wild card games. We're going to start from the top and run the board. And if you have a prop to throw in as well, Stuart, feel free. We're going to go 141 Cleveland at Houston. Stuart, Cleveland's laying two on the road, 44 and a half on the total. Yeah, no, I mean, this is an exciting game right here. Joe Flacco in his return to the playoffs. How about that? For me, one of the immediate things that jumps off the page right here is the defensive side of the ball and what each of these two teams want to do, right? This is a Houston defense that hadn't allowed a 100-yard rusher until last week with Jonathan Taylor, right? So at the end of the day, we know the rush defense is really good. The pass defense, on the other hand, that is where they are very weak, and that's where a guy like Joe Flacco, I think, can take advantage of. I mean, what have we seen since he's joined this team? Team. It has been the ultimate gunslinger mentality. So I think we see a lot of offense in this one. And if you look at it, they've actually been top three in play action rate since Joe Flacco came under center. They've been making it really easy for him. Hey, the Texans defense is really good. They dropped down to a bottom 10 defense trying to guard the play action this year. So for me, I think there's a little bit of an edge on Joe Flacco. I know it's a little bit ugly, but at that minus 130 price on the money line, I'm going to support the better defense. I'm going to support the veteran quarterback and I'm going to take the Browns. Let's take a look at game 143-144. Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs right now sitting at four and a half here. Total of 44. The weather obviously is going to play a factor in this game. Stuart, any particular leans? And how do you factor in weather in a matchup like this with this kind of wind? 
Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, in my opinion, the toughest game on the slate right here. I mean, yeah, we have historical data that we can lean on for snow, for wind. It's a little bit tougher with frostbite, right? I mean, we're talking about wind chills, minus 25, mm. minus 30, right? This could be one of the coldest games in NFL history. So for me, as a big prop better, I see a lot of guys pivoting to the rushing game, especially for the Chiefs. Isaiah Pacheco is a name that comes to mind. For me, I'm a little bit more concerned about his workload in the rushing game than I am in the receiving game. One of my favorite bets in this one is going to be Isaiah Pacheco over three and a half catches at plus money. You can see that plus money across the board. Jarek McKinnon, veteran, dependable pass catcher is now ruled out, right? He will not be playing this one. It's just Clyde Edwards, a layer in terms of depth. So for me, I think this is a really ugly game. I'm really staying away in most of the major markets, but I do think when you do look at the passing game in these rough conditions, I think Mahomes is going to have to lean a lot on the check downs. I don't think the downfield options are going to be there. I think with the Dolphins whole defensive philosophy is limit explosive plays, keep everything underneath. I think Mahomes can do that. I think they win this game. I'm not seeing much value on the money line, but I do like Pacheco in the receiving game. Patrick, just a quick follow up. Stuart, would you then look at the wide receivers for both sides and potentially play unders because the inability because of the wind to throw down the field, just roll the dice on those? I would. That, I, it's under or nothing. I think for me, Justin Watson is the guy that sticks out the most simply because most of his routes are deeper developing. He's one of the only guys with a above 10 a dot in this wide receiver course. So a guy, you know, like a Kadarius Tony, someone that's running these short routes, a Rashi Rice, a Travis Kelsey, all their routes are going to be extremely short and intermediate. So I do think that holds up in the weather a little bit better. But when we pivot to a guy like Justin Watson or in the Bills game, a guy like Gabe Davis, who are running downfield routes, that's where I would want to target the under. So I think Watson is the one name that sticks out to me. Good job, Stuart. Like your insight. Stuart Durst, handicapper, monotone football rights for the 33rd team, hosts the Pass the Prop podcast NBA as well. So let's keep it going. As you know, we're going in order. 145, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. So this number, DraftKings is showing Buffalo laying nine, Stuart. Obviously weather, 34 on the total. Yeah, I've got a little bit of Steelers 10 in this game. I, I don't hate, you know, the nine. I think that's a, a reasonable number. I mean, with how much it's moving back and forth, though, if you are like me and you do lean towards the Pittsburgh side, I would still try to wait. I think there's still an opportunity that you could get that 10 once again. I don't think the Steelers are going to win this game, guys. I, re I really don't. But this extreme weather, even without TJ Watt, I really do think it evens the playing field in this game. And I think that's really all you're asking for in a playoff game with a 10 point spread with some of the worst weather we can expect, right? I mean, we're talking about sustained 20 mile an hour winds. Normally as a prop better, especially we freak out about just gusts of 20 miles an hour. <laughs> In this game, they're going to be sustained 20 mile an hour winds with gusts up to 50 miles an hour. So for me, I do think that, you know, simply levels the playing field. I think it gives the Steelers a chance to win this game. And I think that makes a lot of the rushing props very interesting for me. I'm going to Josh Allen over eight and a half rush attempts. My favorite prop in this game and probably of this day, to be completely honest. When you look at Josh Allen's rushing usage, it has skyrocketed recently with the change at offensive coordinator. This is no longer the fastest pace in the team. This is a slower run focused team. And I don't think the market is taking that into account as much, especially with a guy like Josh Allen. Since they made this shift at offensive coordinator, I don't know if anyone's noticed, they use the tush push now. Over these last couple weeks, that's been one of their primary plays in these third and short situations. So when we look at a game where we're going to slow the game down. It's going to be ugly. There's going to be weather. I think there's going to be third and shorts galore, right? And when we're talking about four to five tush pushes baked into this line, not even counting the scrambles, not even counting those designed run opportunities, then I think there's a lot of value still right now on Josh Allen rush attempts. Sunday Packers uh, game number 147 to 148. Cowboys length seven at home. Total of 50 and a half in this game, Stuart. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the Packers. Shout out to Jordan Love and everything they've done this season. A really young, scrappy team. I don't have a bet on the spread. I am in the prop department. I like Aaron Jones in the receiving game. What do we know about the Cowboys? One of the best pass rushes in football. The pressure rate is through the roof. I think to keep Jordan Love up, to keep him mobile, to make sure the wheels don't fall off, to make sure Mika Parsons doesn't single-handedly win this game, we need to establish some dump-offs. And I think Aaron Jones, with his credibility, with his usage in the receiving game, I think he's going to be a must bet in terms of receptions, props and receiving yards. 
tremendous. What a debut by my man Stewart. I just texted Dustin. Your boy Stewart's killing it. Nice. Let's keep it going. Rams, Detroit. I'm a Detroit Lion fan, Stewart, so be careful now. Detroit's laying 351 and a half on the total. Explain to me how either team's going to get a stop here. Yeah, man, this is going to be one of the most fun games of the week. Talk about the big screen game. You want to get every single inch you can possible to watch this one right here. For me, I'm not the biggest Lions backer on the season. I have to be honest. I don't believe in either of these defenses. I like the over when it opened. I was live on my show with Analytics Capper. I managed to get a little bit of 49, but now obviously we're across the board over that 50 mark. I would still lean over at the current number. For me, I'm going to the props here. I love Matthew Stafford in this game i got at 267 and a half passing still playable under 275 and hey if you want to get a little bit crazy sprinkle that 300 sprinkle that 325 get a little bit of plus money involved because like you mentioned i don't see either team stopping anybody in this game and ooh, when you look at these wide receiver versus cornerback matchups you're going to be salivating how do you choose between puka nakua how do you choose between cooper cup we got demarcus robinson scoring 50 receiving yards a game i don't want to choose i really don't so i'm going to go to matthew Stafford. I'm going to go to the architect behind everything. I'm going to back one of my favorite quarterbacks in a huge moment. Finally, on Monday, game 151-152. Eagles laying three on the road in Tampa. We saved this game, only gave you a minute because that's how much interest this game is drawing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I, I like the teasers for this one. Tampa, Tampa teasers, baby. That's where I'm going this week. For me, sure, the Eagles can grit this one out. They're a tough team. They're built strong in the trenches. But at the end of the day, man, what's going on with the offense? Jalen Hurts hasn't thrown a pass this week. We've got both star wide receivers injured. It's an absolute mess. I think the Buccaneers keep it close. They keep it ugly. In terms of props, it's kind of hard because there's so many injuries on both sides. I would be once again looking to Rashad white in the receiving game not necessarily the rushing game we know the volumes there no competition at all i think with this eagles defensive line we're going to need to depend on the check downs and hey look at that linebacker core and try to name a single eagles linebacker at this point in the season i mean every single unit has been targeting them all year long i think rashad white continues his receiving game success on monday wow Tremendous. Stuart Durst. Now, if you want the picks, go to Monotone Football on Twitter. Give them a follow. You can read them at the 33rd team. Check out Pass the Prop Podcast. But I have to ask you, because it was such a great debut, on your Twitter, Monotone Football, it says you're in Washington, D.C., so you represent D.C. sports. But, Stuart, it is very apparent to me your accent is Canadian. Am I wrong? You are completely wrong. Born and raised in D.C., baby. Do you hear do you hear a Canadian accent, Amal? I, I'm not. I would have said maybe. I'm not going completely there. But you know what's funny? When he said that, I thought he was going to say, I'm from L.A., lower Alabama. <laughs> no, no, no. I hear, hey, and it's a compliment. Canadians are the best people on the planet. Has anybody ever said to you, you have a Canadian accent? Not once, but hey, there's the first you're time You're welcome. For <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're welcome, Stuart. Hey, great debut. We're going to have you back. Stuart Durst, Monotone Football. Thanks, Stuart. Enjoy the football this weekend. Thank you. Thanks. Cody Goodwin joins us next. He covers Alabama football. Kalen DeBoer is in. That's next here, Sharp Money. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That could, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of the Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts.
Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN Daily shouldn't be free, written by Bill AD, but it is. VSIN.com slash newsletter. You go to VSIN.com slash newsletter, you enter your email address, and you sign up for free. Become part of the team. Today, we got uh, coaching odds, we've got wildcard weekend, but the cool thing is it's all aggregated. So everything that we do, the links are highlighted. So right there, there in your newsletter, you can go directly to exactly what you want. They do a great job. It's free. VSIN.com slash newsletter. Okay, we got you back here. Sharp money on a Friday. It's just been a crazy week. I, I, honestly, with Pete Carroll and Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, uh, on January 12th, as we head into Super Wildcard Weekend, really the stories as far as head coaches and the ongoings in college and NFL football have been kind of dominating the news cycle. Amal Shaw, I'm Patrick Maher. Good job by Caesar sitting in for the big guy today because we're going to bring in Cody Goodwin, 24-7 and CBS Sports. He covers college football in Alabama. If you didn't hear... Kalen DeBoer has informed Washington officials he's taking the job at Alabama to discuss. We say hi to Cody. Cody, hi, and thank you on short notice for joining us. Kalen DeBoer, up next at Alabama. Is it a surprise? I don't think so, no. I mean, they they were looking for a guy that was, you know, not only going to be a proven winner, and that's exactly what Kalen DeBoer is, but I think they were looking for somebody that also wanted to embrace the challenge and um, you know, we had heard that there were a number of names involved, but Kalen DeBoer was one of those names that we heard at the beginning, at the middle, and then obviously here at the end of the process. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's a pretty impressive coach. What he did in two years at Washington was really impressive. And then you look at his lengthy resume, this, this guy's a winner and he's been a winner literally everywhere he's been. So that's not a huge surprise, um, but it's, I, it's an interesting hire because you're pulling somebody that hasn't been in the SEC yet. So to that end, a little intriguing to see maybe how he assimilates and what kind of staff he puts together. But, um, you know, the fact that they went after a big name, not not super surprising at all to me. Cody, who were some of the people that were speculated or you heard could have been potential candidates but chose not to uh, interview for the job? And who were some of the other people that didn't get an interview that were some names that were thrown about? Yeah, I, not super 100% privy to who was ultimately interviewed and whatnot. I know that uh, Jimmy Sexton, the, the super agent out of CAA, had a lot to do with a lot of these discussions just because it seems like he represents, you know, half of college football nowadays. But, you know, a lot of the early names that we heard, Dan Lanning out of Oregon, um, Kalen DeBoer, obviously from Washington, Mike Norvell from Florida State was a name that we heard throughout the process. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, who at one point was thought to be, you know, the heir apparent at Alabama. I know him and Nick Saban have a wonderful relationship. And up until Texas called, I think Saban was perfectly content with Sark eventually taking over, um, and, you know, at some point. But, I mean, those were some of the bigger names. There's, you know, some other smaller names that we had heard throughout the process. But those, I mean, those were the ones that we had heard early and often throughout the process. And, um, you know, hey, shout out to Jimmy Sexton for getting a lot of these guys paid. Because I think, you know, as we saw on social media, 
Um, a lot of these guys crossed their names off that list, um, you know, because their schools ultimately ponied up and um, got them pretty good pay raises. Saban Economics was making its way through college football this past yeah, week. We call it, it's it's called leverage season, Cody. I mean, this is an opportunity. <laughs> like, you got to take this leverage, tell your agent to tweet that you don't want the job, but you might want the job, and then you're good to go. Uh, financial freedom. Cody Goodwin joining us, of course, Nick Saban. And we buried the lead. Kalen DeBoer is the next head coach at Alabama. But, Cody, we should probably back up. Nick Saban's out? What happened? Man, he's just, he, he's 72. He's, he's tired. Um, you know, I know he has made subtle comments here and there. He officially retired Wednesday for those who, you know, have been living under a rock lately. Um, you know, at the age of 72, done after 17 seasons at Alabama, 28 total seasons as a college head football coach. Um, you know, I, 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 for my money, the, the greatest to ever do it, the best of all time, whatever, you know, kind of moniker or phrase you want to use there. But man, he just got tired. Like he, you know, 72, he's been doing this for a really long time. I'm not sure that he really had anything more that he had left to prove, um, you know, and, and he had made subtle comments throughout the season that just, you know, and, and really over the last few years, you know, I, the, this, yeah, I'm sure we all remember whatever press conference it was, you know, like, is this what we want college football to be? He has made similar comments about that, just the way it's trending with NIL and roster management and the transfer portal and just how college football, the, the schedule of the sport doesn't really help you know, those who are trying to thrive and, and make it great, you know, coaches and, you know, support staff and schools and things of that nature. And, you know, you combine his resume with his age and just the fact that he is just maybe a little bit tired of how everything is trending and the direction the sport's going. I think he just kind of got tired of it. And, you know, he finally decided, you know, hey, this I'm I, I think I'm good. I think I'm done and just decided you know, it, it wasn't on a whim. This was something that he had clearly been thinking about for, you know, a few years and really started to ramp up his thoughts about it this past year. Um, you know, because with his age, you hear about it every year, right? Like, is, is this the year? Is, is he going to go out when it's done? Or are he going to go out when they win one more? Um, that drum beat was a little bit louder this season. Um, you know, we heard it a lot at the Rose Bowl when we were actually down at Pasadena. We heard a little bit of it at the SEC championship game in Atlanta in early December. Um, you know, and he just decided on Wednesday that it was time, you know, it sounded like he was kind of even then a few minutes before a team meeting where he delivered the news that he was going to step away and retire. He was still debating, you know, which speech do I want to give the team? And ultimately he decided on the retirement speech and, um, you know, that kind of sent the college football world and really the sports world at large into a frenzy over the last 48 hours. Cody, explain the transfer portal from Alabama's perspective right now and how it impacts those players and everything going forward, because I think the deadline is different for teams that were in the college football playoff. Is that correct? Yeah, so the, the traditional deadline for the December window, it opened December 4th and closed January 2nd. But if you played in a postseason game or a bowl game, um, the, you know, that went after New Year's or maybe they, you know, it, it played late December. Um, you got a little bit of an extension there. So Alabama players after the Rose Bowl, I believe they got an extension through January 6th. Um, so that window had closed, but because Saban retired and, you know, I believe the rule is if your coach, re if your coach retires, if they move jobs, if they get fired, um, an immediate 30 day window pops open. So Alabama players, you know, Saban retired on the 10th. So I believe the magic date is February 9th, I believe, is 30 days out. Um, Alabama players can freely enter the transfer portal and go somewhere else if they wish to or at the very least explore their options um, without penalty. It's just one of those rules in the college football playbook. So, And already we've seen one player announce earlier today, Isaiah Bond. I don't know that he's announced. We found out through you know various sources and back channels um, that he has entered the portal. He's a star receiver. He was on the receiving end of the fourth and 31 against uh, Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Um, you know, he was crucial in the SEC championship game against Georgia. Very, very good receiver. He has entered the portal. Um, I know he wants to kind of explore his options as Alabama was going out, uh, going through the, the coach uh, hiring process. So um, I wonder if that's a guy that Kalen DeBoer can recruit back out of the portal, given his success with Washington's receivers the last few years. But um, yeah, all Alabama players have until early February to freely transfer if they so desire. Last one. What was the reaction in Tuscaloosa on Wednesday? Um, I think a little bit of shock. Um, cause I, you know, we, we, because the drum beat was a little louder, I think a, a lot of us in the media space were a little bit more on edge and, 
you know, kind of, okay, like, you know, this first week after the season was over, let's maybe, you know, keep our toes to the ground, keep our ears to the ground, see what we can hear. And so then, you know, when Chris Lowe from ESPN dropped that tweet on Wednesday about four o'clock, like I was getting ready to go to the gym and I was like, good thing I didn't drink my pre-workout. Right. So, you know, we sat down, started making a bunch of phone calls, started gathering reaction. And I mean, it was mostly shock, but I think, you know, after that shock factor wore off a little bit, I think a lot of people, you know, understood just with the comments he had made about college football, where it was headed, how stressful it can be to manage recruiting, the transfer portal, um, competing in postseason games, you know, especially like college football playoff, just the combination of everything kind of worn down a little bit. So I think people understood that fairly quickly after the shock factor. And I think more than anything, a lot of gratitude in the, in the city of Tuscaloosa just for the ride that they've been on for the last two decades. What Nick Saban did was really, really special. Not sure that we're going to see a coach create that kind of success um, consecutively again. You know, I will see what Kirby Smart does out there in Athens. He's got that train rolling. Um, but what Nick Saban was able to do um, in different years with different coaches across different eras, um, unmatched, unmatched. It was really impressive. And I think a lot of people are just thankful for that they got to enjoy the ride up close here. Well done, Cody. Cody Goodwin, Alabama writer, 24-7 sports, CBS Sports. Appreciate it on short notice, Cody. Thank you. No, I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, appreciate it. Now, he did mention a name. It's just huge news. I, I know with the playoffs coming up, I mean, Nick Saban retires. you got to cover it. Uh, he mentioned the name Kirby Smart. That was the only name. That was it. I, As somebody that's obsessed with Kalen DeBoer like I am, the, I still, Kirby, Kirby, with what he's doing recruiting-wise and his connection to Again, we talked about that could be a little overrated, the University of Alabama, uh, but Kirby wasn't going anywhere. Uh, Athens is a top three job in the sport, so we knew he wasn't leaving. Yeah, absolutely. I was just trying to think of coaches that have gone to their alma mater, but that were, I don't know if there's a more perfect fit I can think of in decades at a school than Kirby Smart is at Georgia. He's from Georgia. His dad's a high school coaching legend in Georgia. He played at UGA. Even as great as Steve Spurrier was at Florida, he's from Tennessee. So, you know, this is a guy I didn't think that would go to Alabama, but they got their man. They got the right guy for the job. Kalen DeBoer is a no-brainer. A guy, he's like 110 and 12 in his career across his jobs. That is going to continue at Bama. And we continue with Wild Card Weekend. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings, VSIN, the sports betting network. We welcome you back. If there's more breaking news, we'll report. But again, Kalen DeBoer in at Alabama. Nick Saban's replacement has been found. Gerard Mayo is replacing another legend up in New England. Of course, Bill Belichick out. My assumption is he goes to Atlanta because Arthur Blank is obsessed. Bad job. I don't know why he would do it. If I'm Blank and I see Amal Shaw, I'm Patrick Maher. We're going to bring on our buddy Josh Ingles. If I'm Arthur Blank, I just Look at Belichick. In fact, let's bring Josh in now along with them all, and we'll have this discussion, and we'll get to uh, Josh has got about one billion props he's betting this wild card <laughs> weekend. Uh, but, fellas, if Atlanta does go Belichick, I'm all we'll start with you. I think you have to be careful because there's an aura. And again, Belichick would be bigger than the Falcons. He'd be bigger than the owner. He'd be bigger than the players. He'd be bigger than the organization. Like there's just a lot that comes with Belichick. I think you have to be careful there. I would agree with you there, but Patrick, I would take it one step further. I think Bill Belichick is meant to be an attraction, a draw to a transient city where you have a lot of Northerners that have moved in and follow certain teams and not necessarily gotten on board with the Falcons. Guys, I'll give you a quick statistic I just saw about the NFL this season. The most expensive city to go see a game when you buy four tickets, all the hot dogs in the parking, all that included, was the Raiders in Las Vegas. The least expensive were the Atlanta Falcons. I think if you can bring in a person like Belichick, Patrick, it increases the visibility of this team. And I think all of a sudden they become a conversation in the national media where they haven't been since the Super Bowl. Josh, would you co-sign Belichick to the Falcons? No, I'm I'm a I'm a selfish human being. I wanna see I wanna see that offense take off. They've spent so much draft capital on, on skilled offensive players. And this year it, it just seemed like, sure, let's give Cordell Pat- Patterson some more snaps when Bijan's there. We heard it all year as a prop better. I, I was upset on a lot of plays on the year. And I think if you bring in Belichick, I mean, 
we're not tarnishing his reputation at all. The, everything is there. The lineage is there. But, I mean, we're just two years removed from what he thought was a good offensive system in Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running that offense. What happened this year with Zappi and Mac Jones wasn't the the greatest situation. All right, here, here you go, Zappi. Go win this on the last drive of the season or the last drive of a game. Uh, it wasn't great, I think. I think he's more valuable somewhere else, not on a sideline. Yeah, totally agree. Covers.com. Josh Ingles joins us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to run in succession the board, and then you just apply your props or side total to the game. And we'll start with the early one, Cleveland, Houston. Of course, Cleveland's lane two and a total, Josh, of 44 and a half. 44 and a half. Uh, everybody wants Flacco to fall down, but it, it just seems now that this is what this offense is doing. Kevin Stefanski's running a very high volume offense. I mean, 45 times, uh, 40 times passes a game. Uh, this game projects as one of the highest uh, scoring, highest paced games on the board. Love the over 44 and a half. I think both offenses can play with e- with each game script. Both teams essentially can play the trail mode. Uh, and I think Nico Collins has an absolute huge matchup. I'm on his over uh, on his milestone. Like I obviously like, is overs, but a uh, hundred plus yards at plus two thirty. I think this is a spot that he can hit this. We saw he one ninety five last week. Stroud and him. He's averaging hundred and eight yards per game with CJ Stroud. And there's a lot of talk. Obviously, everybody thinks this Cleveland defense is great, but on the road, there's no team allowing more points on the road at twenty nine point four uh, than Cleveland. And the 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 marks and the teams that they've played have not been great. So give me some. Uh, give me a little Nico Collins. Tank Dow, obviously, on IR and no Brown dealing with that back injury. I think you're going to see the duo of Stroud and Collins continue in this game. Josh, Miami at Kansas City. Dolphins catching four and a half, total of 44 and a half. We could have wind conditions up to minus negative 30. Kansas City last six games. Face Stick, Browning, O'Connell, Zappi, Allen, and Love. It's not a great spot. They were three and three straight up in those games, plus two-point differential versus a minus 36 spread combined in those six games. I'm not out here advocating for either side, but I think the onus is on proving why KC should be a a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and I'm not a huge fan of this situation. I think there's too much overblown that Miami can't play in the cold weather. There's not not a ton of supporting data on that situation. I think they can run the ball. Professional release today on the situation on the over that was at 43. We've seen it gone back, uh, back up. Uh, professional bettors know that there's the public will get overexcited about cold conditions and obviously wind means more and we're not seeing a lot of wind we're seeing more cold obviously it's going to be a cold game but it doesn't affect as much as the wind josh ingles covers.com betting analyst joins us does a great job let's go 145 pittsburgh buffalo uh, the weather is it, orchard park it's going to be snowing lake effect we know what it's going to be nine on the game so DraftKings is showing buffalo lane nine 33 and a half on the total josh yeah this one kept plummeting uh hit, hit another point today kind of the expected forecast is what people were were glooming about early in the week. Professional bettors were were waiting for the public to drive it down and then hopefully hit it over. But we we've seen what the <clears throat> what the bottom scale is going to be, and that's 25 mile an hour winds, uh, 40 mile an hour gusts, and and the snow is going to be big. And if lake effect, if that band does hit over Orchard Park, it's going to be an ugly game. But the thing I liked about the unders in this game was even without the weather. This were these are two teams that run bottom five pace of play. This is a Pittsburgh team that had a 60% rush rate over the last three weeks, which is highest in football. This is a Buffalo team that with Joe Brady as the OAC had one of the higher expected run rates in all of football. We know that Buffalo last year versus Cincinnati 27-10 loss was not fit, an offense not fit to play in the snow. We saw I made Isaiah McKenzie talk about it, Jamar Chase talk about it. They went out, they got Uh, Dalton Kincaid they've run more two tight end sets they're going to be a run heavy team there was a big I love this under to begin with uh, right out of the gate obviously the weather's an issue here I'm on a lot of stuff I'm on Josh Allen under 19 and a half completions a lot Dalton Kincaid over three and a half I think there's more run for guys who run shorter routes Uh, I mean we saw we saw Mason Rudolph last week just throwing balls behind the line just jacking up his stats and completions and i think something we'll see that uh on the buffalo side so kincaid over josh allen over eight and a half carries is on my card Najee harris for a touchdown i mean if they're going to score a touchdown 
50% chance it's going to be Najee. And I've laddered his carries up to 25 to 10 to 1, too. Josh, Sunday afternoon, America's team, the Green Bay Packers, take on the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys lane seven in this one, 50 and a half. Green Bay, the best backdoor team on this slate. Jordan Love might have his healthiest set of receivers back for the entire year. He's got both his tight ends. Uh, Musgrave and Tucker are good. Wicks and Reed are both good. And Dobbs and Watson could come back. This is the most dangerous this Green Bay team has been all year. If Dallas gets a lead, Jordan Love has been one of the most aggressive quarterbacks thrown into tight windows. We could see that. I love him in garbage time. There should be a bump when you're projecting uh, stats here in garbage time. 100% play rate. No one's getting taken out of the game. You're going to go heavy pass, even down 21. There could be a chance for Jordan Love just to rack up some garbage time if, in fact, Dallas does jump out to an early lead. I like Green Bay here, and we saw it in the market go from 7.5 to 7. You want props? Josh Ingles has you covered for Super Wildcard Weekend. Covers.com as well. Let's go Rams, Detroit. Detroit's three, 51 and a half on the total, Josh. Uh, here we are, another indoor high total potential shootout game. I think the coach QB advantage lies in the Rams. I know it's a popular pick. It's very public. Uh, but we did see the three and a half go to a three. I think the Rams have a better offense for different styles of game script in this game. Right? If... Detroit goes two high safeties. Let's try to contain the passing game. Then they're just going to run 25 times with Kyron Williams, who didn't play last week and ran for uh, over 100 yards again in week 17. If they try to stop that, if they go single high, well, then they have Sean McVay and Matt Stafford, who, I don't know, probably the duo together, maybe the best adjusting quarterback coach uh, in all of football. I'm on Kyron Williams, 100-plus rushing yards. Plus 200. His total was 80 and a half this week. It closed at 92 and a half in week 17. Indoor game. I know we talk about indoor settings, probably increasing pass efficiency, pass volume, but there's something to be had for rushing volume and rushing efficiency with Kyron Williams here. Uh, 5.7 yards per rush indoors versus 4.16. Big difference there. We know he's getting 20 carries. It's just what he's going to do with it. And in that situation, we know Detroit, obviously one of the worst pass defenses down the stretch. But if they can't contain that pass, it's going to be Kyron Williams looking down in smaller boxes. And I think he goes for 100 plus. Josh, we got 30 seconds. Do you have any props in the Tampa Philly game? Uh, that game, I mean, there's a lot to be had. Like, I mean, Jalen Hurts hasn't thrown a ball. He's got that finger injury people aren't talking about, I think, enough. We could see some rain. This is a team that's just struggled basically all year. And Vita Vey blocking Jason Kelsey in that brotherly shove is going to be a matchup people should really watch. I think there's a team that can stop it. It's them. Like, uh, I like Tampa Bay, but Chris Godwin for a touchdown, plus 275. Red zone rate, target share, same as Mike Evans. Shouldn't be 150 points longer. Josh, you do a great job. Thank you for your time. Josh Ingles, covers.com betting analyst. Go check him out. Thank you, Josh. Enjoy the football. Hey guys. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy the enjoy the weekend here, Pop. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Now, I could have asked Canadian, but I think we all know Josh is that's that accent is definitely Canadian. We come back with my storylines. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. Can't coach. This is crazy. 
John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. All right, here comes the NFL playoffs, and DraftKings has got you covered. Five bucks to win $200 in bonus bets instantly. It's that simple. You bet $5, you get $200 in bonus bets instantly at DraftKings when you use the promo code VEGAS. Remember, everybody, every day, a no sweat, same game parlay at DraftKings. The crown is yours. We got you back. So let me clarify. I'm all Shaw. I'm Patrick Maher. The big guy out. We hope Dustin's feeling a little bit better. Caesar in for him. And Caesar told me during the break that I kind of glanced over the Cliff Kingsbury story. Let me just say it's the same. My opinion is the same. So Kalen DeBoer, if you're just joining us, has been named the new head coach at Alabama. That leaves an opening for a team that's moving the Big Ten in Washington. Uh, the Washington Commanders hired a new assistant general manager today from San Francisco. So there's some corollaries. There's six degrees of Kevin Bacon going on with a lot of these hires. But anyway, I read it that Cliff Kingsbury was in the running for the commander's job. Cliff Kingsbury, Amal Shaw. Now, again, is this his agent feeding reporters information to get his name out there? Probably. Because Kingsbury's a terrible head coach. Like, if you look at Kingsbury as being rumored to go to Washington to replace DeBoer. Let me just clear that up. If you think about what Kingsbury did in Arizona, he flamed out. But Texas Tech was even worse. When he got there, I believe it was Tuberville's team that he took over. Year one was his best job. The way you judge a college coach is as he starts to implement his program and as the recruiting cycle starts to turn over, a college coach should get better with the years. Kingsbury went down. I don't even have the record in front of me. I just remember every year it got worse for Kingsbury at Texas Tech. Terrible hire if Washington were to decide side on him. Oh, you're absolutely right. He starts out 8 and 5 in 2013 and then he goes 4 and 8, 7 and 6, 5 and 7, 6 and 7, 5 and 7 for a 35 and 40 record and he was even worse the next time around with the Arizona Cardinals 28 and 37 and 1 there. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury's more than a coordinator. Might be a great OC, might be a great guy, but in terms of a head coach and Patrick, it wouldn't be a fit. This is a guy from Texas. He's coached in Texas a long time. You mentioned the Cardinals as a head coach there, but I think right now people are just grasping at straws. And I like the point you made. People may be unfamiliar. A lot of times agents of players or coaches will plant a seed to media members. Hey, this is information I'll give you in the future. Or, you know, maybe grease them a little bit to get that out there as a person trending just to be in the news. Otherwise, we wouldn't talk about Cliff Kingsbury until his team turns the ball over next time, wherever he's the OC or the quarterbacks coach. Yeah, and I don't even know. Look, he, he might be a good offensive. I don't even know if yeah. he is a good offense. Like uh, we're just, you know, based on reputation, you hear Kingsbury's a good offense. I, I agree with you there, but I'm all nailed it. I mean, there's donks in the media that try to gain sources. And for example, I'll give you an example. I think Rappaport. Rap, maybe it was. Eh, I don't want to. I, 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 let's not give specifics. Just know this: Ron Rivera, one of your favorite NFL reporters, Rivera, they had an agreement, and he would give the stories to said favorite reporter. The reporter would then flip, and then it's all about being first. That's why you notice a lot of reporters botching information because they have such a thirst to be first on social media that sometimes they get out in front of the story and get hoodwinked. 
What? So what they do is they try to accrue sources and the best sources to go straight to the person like Ron Rivera, who knows how to work the media. And you agree with him that you'll be the first to report. You'll have kind reporting in the future about the guy. And that's how it works. So uh, agents like Jimmy Sexton, who I believe represents Dan Lanning at Oregon, Mike Norvell at Florida State. He turned around and said, the greatest head coach of all time in college football just retired. We got to get our coach's name out there. And then the university is going to be forced with leverage to pay him more. You've got Lanning got a raise and Norvell today got an eight year extension. That's the business. Oh, you're absolutely right about that. And just to take it a step further, back in the NFL draft in the early 2000s, late 90s, there were guys, and one of them you guys know, you watch on ESPN all the time, used to take money from agents to prop up a player. And you sit there and go, how the hell is this guy the number two rated quarterback? Well, you don't know that the agent paid him to put him in his kind of prediction or prognostication of where they are. And you're like, this guy really can't play. And that's why you see certain players. It's not as much of a prevalent issue on that side today because there's so many draft uh, experts out there or draft gurus in essence. But you're absolutely right in terms of breaking news. And I don't even understand this. Okay, great. You told us that so-and-so signed first at the end of the day we don't care we just want to know who the head coach is and where they're at yep 100 so there you have it kingsbury there are some mentions on social potential replacement for kaylin DeBoer at washington that would be a mistake we shall see if anything breaks during the show we'll let you know coming up in nine minutes here sharp money as is customary on a friday mike samich joins mr jordan love samich was right Got to give them credit because that's our next game on the board here. My storylines. So I've got storylines for all six super wildcard matchups and Green Bay Dallas. Look, this one's very simple for me. The home away splits for Dallas. That's the storyline. So I dug a little bit deeper. So let's go through this nine and eight Packers. Just a tremendous run after starting the season terribly against the Cowboys who finished 12 and five. Now, there are also rumors, and I'm sure you've heard it, that if Mike McCarthy were to lose this football game, uh, Jerry Jones has an affinity for Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick could potentially become the next Cowboys head coach. They're not worried about it coming up, you know, the Goulets and the Femis and the Rosses, they're not worried about it on Sunday. So let's get into why they should feel comfortable. First off, I don't understand the steam. Uh, you and I have been discussing this. I expected it to get to eight, not go back to seven. It was seven and a half. That's a key movement there as far as key numbers. You start with the three, you go to the seven, you go to the six, but seven is your second key number when betting the NFL. So to come off of it from seven and a half down to seven for the Cowboys is a huge move and our little racket here. The Cowboys at home, 8-0 on the road this year, 4-5. At home, they average them all, 37.4 points. On the road, they average 23.3. The cat, like the disparity is alarming. How about uh, as far as defense? The po opponents at home score 15.9 against the Cowboys. On the road, the opponents score 20.9. So again, it's not just offense, it's defense as well. Third down percentage, they're comfortable at home. They're converting at a 53.2% clip. On the road, just 43.7 on offense. Now, the biggest discrepancy for the Cowboys, okay, passing offense. At home, they're a buzzsaw. On the road, they're mediocre. Might surprise some of you to know this if you want to take a look at the markets for Dak and CD and others. Dak's yard per attempt drops big time on the road. His numbers are m very inflated at home. And again, you know, they did play some bad opposing defenses at home this year, the Cowboys, as I kind of combed through the schedule. Uh, just the premise, though. This is a much different team, the Cowboys at home, than on the road, and that's not a big breaking news story. Well, no, to your point, you broke it down very well, and a perfect example, they're averaging 14 points more per game, 13 and a half to be exact on uh, at home compared to the road, and the margin of victory on the road is less than three points per game at home, 21 points per game, 21 and a half to be exact. This team has been tremendous in what they've been able to do at home. One thing I will point out, though, remember, they got off to a fast start this year against the Jets. That was before the Jets kind of really just went into turmoil. Rodgers was already hurt, but they put up 30-plus points against that team. They were doing it against a multitude of teams that were pretty decent at that point in time, uh, but it's been impressive. And I get your argument in favor of the Cowboys here why you think this number should have gone the other way. 
My only argument the other way is I think Jordan Love is capable and an efficient enough quarterback where he can present some challenges and he won't turn the ball over. One thing that's very positive in Dallas's favor is Brett Aubrey, the kicker for this Cowboys team, hasn't missed a field goal all year. Patrick, once they get inside the 43-yard line of the opponent, they're in field goal range. I mean, that's no joke. 60 yards is within range for him. This is going to be a dangerous team in a variety of different situations. I, I will say if Green Bay is going to have an opportunity for an upset, which I don't think they're going to be able to pull, they need a fast start in this game because it feels like when you play Dallas in Arlington, the avalanche comes and people can't come out from underneath it. Aaron Jones is the key for the Packers. Yep. Over the last three Week 16, Panthers, 21-127. Vikings, 21-20. Bears last week, 21 for 111. And Aaron Jones, like the only way the Packers stay in this matchup is to keep the pass rush on their heels. Micah Parsons, it's not just Parsons, as Cowboys fans know. It's Lawrence, it's Armstrong and Williams. Like this is, it all starts with Parsons, but they have a tremendous, and the pass rush is much better at home as well. Um Love's been playing great, but you got to be true to the run because you have to keep the Cowboys and that offense off the field at home, but also keep that pass rush at bay with Jones. The Packers, it's like a little overstated that their defense, because you hear about Joe Barry all the time, they're 10th in scoring D because they're very effective in the red zone. So, but we're, we're going to get to the official plays. I, I'll just say this. I, you can't overthink this one, Amal. I, if I'm laying a price here, it's the Cowboys seven, and I'm thanking God I don't have to lay the hook. I, I the, the Packers, it's been a nice run to close out the year. They've got their future at quarterback, but for me, this is a Cowboys player or nothing. Can't, you know, look, I can't really disagree with your assertion on Dallas here. I don't know why I'm being stubborn with the Packers here. It's just the same thing with Washington the other night on Monday. Fair enough. Be stubborn. That's good in sports betting. <laughs> Speaking of stubborn, Samich is next. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 